Washington, D.C. is known for its many landmarks and attractions. Millions of people flock to see those historic places every year. Uh, of course, there's a White House and the Capitol Building and the National Mall. There's a Washington Monument and, and monuments for uh, World War One and or m- memorials, World War One, World War Two, the Vietnam War Memorial. Uh, there's the, at the far end of the mall, there's the Reflecting Pool and the Lincoln Memorial, and there's so many other things. Uh, his, many things of historical significance that either happened in our country or happened there, and uh, historians have tried over the years to commemorate those things. One landmark that isn't as well known six, sits 16 feet below ground at the bottom of a well-like cylinder at the side of the on-ramp heading onto the Roosevelt Bridge. Probably if you've been to D.C., you haven't stopped by this memorial. It's called Braddock's Rock, and it's the place that many believe General Edward Braddock landed on his way up the Potomac in, on April 14th, 1755, headed with troops to Fort Duquesne during the French and Indian War. Uh, it didn't exactly turn out very well for Braddock, uh, and we probably wouldn't even think that this was significant, except that one of the troops along with, with Braddock, uh, as he landed there and made his way to Fort Duquesne, was a 23-year-old Virginian you may have heard of, George Washington. Uh, the, the rock where Braddock is said to have landed, this big, large outcropping uh, of rock, uh, it, it's now, what's left of it is now not even at the water's edge uh, as the ground and the, the river have shifted over the last 250 plus years. But, but at the time, it was a significant piece of, uh, of rock jutting out into, uh, into the water on the Potomac and, uh, and folks would land their, their boats there. Uh, uh, even more important, Braddock's wa- rock was used as the starting point It was ground zero for surveyors as they laid out the city of Washington, D.C. On old maps, it is labeled the Key of Keys. Uh, you, you can kind of see, go ahead and go to that next, uh, there's, there's a little map there. I could not get a good solid picture uh, of that, but trust me up there, there's uh, right kind of where, anyway, on the Potomac, there's a little spot, and that is where everything started. That's ground zero at Braddock's Rock. Every line, every measurement, every survey started at that point and referred back to Braddock's Rock. That was the zero point on the map. Over the years, that granite uh, rock outcropping was quarried for buildings. Uh, They they say that uh, part of the foundation for the White House and for the Capitol building were actually taken from the uh, the granite at Braddock's Rock. Uh, And it was called uh, the the Key of Keys on these these maps. It it was slowly broken apart, however, to the extent that historians had to to really push to save what was left uh, 16 feet below ground. And so the, the Key of Keys, has almost been forgotten. In, in a real sense, though, it's, it's what the entire city was founded on. The position of everything in the city of Washington, D.C. literally goes back to that rock. It is the key to it all. The Bible is our key of keys. The, the truths contained in Scripture are foundational to our lives. Everything uh, in life goes back to those fundamental principles in Scripture. It, it's the very Word of God. Unfortunately, over the years, the key of keys in Scripture, uh, it, it's been forgotten by many or not acknowledged or even thought about that much. Or maybe it's looked on in passing but not used much anymore. 
And that's a shame because Scripture is the primary way that God speaks to us today. Last week, we began this, uh, this series uh, based on, uh, on, on things in, in the book Whisper. There's a book. Maybe I should leave it out there. Uh, you can borrow it if you want. Uh, if you don't have the 15 bucks to order it off Amazon, I'll either give you the 15 bucks or give you my book. But uh, uh, it is a, a, a great uh, uh, book all about uh, finding out how to hear the Word of God for our lives. A pastor by the name of Mark Batterson, uh, he's written several other books. He's pastor in Washington, D.C. at uh, a National Community Church. And, and uh, when, when I read through that book this, this winter, um, it, it's, it's just filled with these basic foundational truths of, of, of how we can hear what, uh, what God is saying. How can we can sense and, and figure out uh, God's word for our lives. Maybe we've forgotten how to do that. Maybe we've never learned how to do that, how we listen for God's voice. I believe that, that, that God has wonderful plans for our lives. I believe that he wants us to know those wonderful plans for our lives, or at least to, to, uh, to, to, to know what the next few steps are in those plans. He's not trying to, 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 to keep it from us or to keep it this big, dark secret, but he wants us to know. He wants to direct our lives. He wants to guide us, and, and he's speaking. And many times, however, we're just not listening. Maybe we don't care to listen, or maybe we don't know how to listen. Uh, if you're in the first category and you don't care, then I probably can't help you today, uh, because until you care to listen, you're not probably going to. Um, you, you won't hear God's voice if you're not listening for it. But if you're in the other category and you care, uh, but, but, but you just don't quite know how, or, or, or you're not quite sure, or maybe, maybe you've never learned, but I, I think we can all learn some practical things of how God speaks to us and how we can discern his voice uh, and, and follow his lead. Uh, last week I told you it's... It, it's even more than just hearing things from God, though, right? Our, our primary purpose isn't just to get information from God, but it's to get to know God. Uh, it, it's about getting close to him. God is speaking. He wants you to know him. He wants you to hear him. And so this book and this series is, is about how we can do that. Hebrews 1.1 says that in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. So the writer of Hebrews starts off by saying, God spoke to a lot of people in the past in a lot of different ways, various ways. Now that's kind of an understatement. If you've uh, read through scripture at all, uh, you'll, you'll see that, that God speaks in a lot of different ways to a lot of different people. Depending on the circumstances and depending on the person, God has used uh, many different methods. I, I mean, he's, he's uh, spoken verbally from heaven and boomed out to his voice. He's, uh, he's, he's, um, Visited people, uh, with, uh, angels have visited people and brought his message to them that way. Uh, he's spoken through a, a bush that was burning but didn't burn up and spoke through that. Uh, he, uh, he even spoke through a donkey. And, uh, and, and that's a whole story in and of itself. Uh, God certainly has spoken, uh, in various ways. This is how, uh, how Batterson talks about it in the book. He says, does God still speak in various ways? I believe he does. I believe God speaks in the same ways now as he did then, but now we have the distinct advantage of having scripture as our sounding board. 
To believe that God speaks only through the Bible is to handcuff the God of the Bible as the Bible has revealed him to us. The scripture provides our checks and balances. And God will never say anything that is contrary to his good, pleasing, and perfect will as revealed in scripture. So last week I I told you that we need to hear from God a whole lot more than he needs to hear from us. Uh, And yet we pray the opposite. We, we're usually talking the whole time and we're not listening at all. Uh, we, we, I also said that usually God, and the whole title of all of this, usually God isn't yelling, usually he whispers and he wants us to lean in and to get quiet and to get close so we can hear him. Not just so we can hear him, but so that we can get close to him, so that we can know him. And one great foundational way that God speaks is through the Bible. We've even called it, refer to it, as God's Word, capital W, the Bible, the very words of God. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. The Bible is the key of keys. <laughs> Nothing that we think we hear from God will ever contradict Scripture. All of life points back to the truths and principles laid out in this book. Uh, last week, I, I briefly mentioned that, that, that back in the time of the judges in the Old Testament, uh, they, they weren't following God much. They didn't hear from God much because it says everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone did what they wanted to do. They weren't listening for the voice of God. And, and I think that many people live that way today and and even though maybe they say they're hearing from God but if if you get right down to it a a lot of people base what they say is the voice of God instead they're basing it on what they feel or what they want in the moment I'm sure you've never done that I'm going to be go out on a limb a little bit here and uh, express to you one of my pet peeves and I hope you know it doesn't uh uh doesn't hurt anybody's feelings. I'm sure you'd never do this. But, um, um, and I'm sure also when you hear this, you're going to say, Pastor Pete, just deal with it and move on. Just get over it. Um, and I, and I will, and I have. But, uh, I, I, I hear it a lot today. People say, I feel like it's da 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 da. I feel like we should do 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 do. I, I feel like maybe we should go and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And, and to me, I want to say, I don't really care how you feel about it. Tell me the facts. Tell me what you think. Tell me what lays out. I don't really care how you feel about it. I feel like, and I know, I know, get over it, back off, deal with it. Who cares, right? And I know that when we say it's just a new way of saying, a different way of saying all those things I think about, uh, I think this, my perception is, whatever. Okay, good. But, but it all, it shifts the conversation. It starts to shift the conversation to lift up our emotions as the number one, uh, thing or motivator that we're, we're, we're basing our decisions on. Um, it, it's the drive, it, it lifts the emotions to the, 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 as the driving force for how we, uh, how we make decisions. And, and, and that can get us into trouble because emotions change. Um, not so long ago, I felt like I should order the, um, the, the hot and spicy big old burger with chili and fried jalapenos from Red Robin. A few hours later, I felt like maybe that was the wrong decision, right? 
because I based it on my feelings, not on the facts of what was maybe... Uh, anyway, we don't need to get into all that. But uh, basing our decisions on our feelings gets us into trouble a lot of the times because, because feelings change. I, feelings are involved. I'm not saying that God can't or, or doesn't use our emotions to communicate with us, but, but emotions, our emotions cannot be our key of keys. It cannot be the thing, the foundation that we come back to. Uh, and I think they are for a lot of people. I, I think we say God is telling me to when it's really, I feel like I, sh- I want to do this. You know, I don't think God is telling you. say God is telling me. Is he really? Because last week you said he was telling you and, and before that he was telling emotions can't be the key. And we could fill in the blank with a whole lot of other things, uh, many other things. And we say, oh, well, I think God might be leading me to do this because of blah, blah, blah. But if it doesn't involve the key of keys, then it's not really going to be God telling me this. Now, God does speak through various ways and in, in, in to various people in various times and situations, and, and he can use our emotions. Batterson talks about seven different ways that God speaks. Uh, scripture is one of them. And, and so uh, we're going to go, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to go into some of these other things, desires, doors, and dreams, people, promptings, and pain. And God speaks through all of those things, uh, but primarily he speaks through Scripture. It is the Bible. It is God's Word. It is the key of all all keys that we base our lives on. The Bible, as we have it today, whether bound in leather or under the chair in front of you, uh, in a hotel desk drawer or on the app on your phone, uh, the, the Bible is uh, composed of 66 books in two testaments, Old Testament and New Testament. And it was written by over 40 authors over the course of 15 centuries with three different languages spanning three continents. Took a lot to get to my little table up here on the, uh, on, on the platform this morning. It includes many different genres, including uh, uh, letters and stories and works of history and poetry and even songs. And, and, and so we approach those different things in, in different ways depending on the genre that is used. It, it speaks to, uh, to all issues of life. It speaks to things uh, regarding science, uh, uh, the, the cosmos and creation. It talks about relationships and how we should handle those things. It talks about morality and, and righteousness and sin. And it talks about parenting and, and marriage. It talks about spirituality and theology and we could go on and on and on it it, it affects literally every aspect of life and yet despite its diversity the bible is remarkably consistent it cohesively spells out the story of god especially his work in sending jesus as the savior of the world if you have not yet met jesus then, then you, and you've not yet come to him, if you've not yet said, I'm going to follow Jesus, then before you ever start hearing about what are some of the things that God might want you to do or hearing God's voice, that is the message you need to hear. God loves you and his love has extended so much that he sent his son Jesus to pay the penalty for your sin. That is the message of scripture cover to cover. If we're trying to hear the voice of God, the first and fundamental message we need to hear is the message of God's love through Jesus, our ultimate sacrifice and the one that brings us forgiveness and eternal life. So today, if you have not yet met Jesus, if you've not, if you're not following, we're not, you gotta 
settle Jesus first before you ever move on to, well, what do I do here and how do I go there and what's the situation? Fundamentally, bottom line, the message of Scripture is a message of God's love in the person of Jesus, his son. In addition, and through all of that, woven through that story, are principles over and over again of how we live for Jesus. How can we do that? Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, Although the Bible had over 40 authors, it has one inspirer who has breathed it into existence. It is God-breathed. God has provided uh, scripture for us so that it can teach us and it can rebuke sin and it trains us in righteous living and it thoroughly equips us for every good thing we need to do. It is an amazing God-breathed book. I've preached many times on the importance of Scripture, and uh, and we need to read it, and we need to study it, and we need to memorize it, and it needs to be part of, of who we are. Sometimes I feel like I'm just saying the same things over and over again, because I probably am. But it's because God has given us this amazing resource that uh, that, that, that we have to be spending time in it. If, if we're not, then we're, we're just not even interested in hearing from God. We say we are, but if we're not spending time here, we're not really going to hear what God has to say. God is speaking. He wants us to hear. We need to lean in, and part of leaning in is opening up the pages of this book. How do we do that? Just a couple of pointers this morning. Uh, one thing is we need to have a plan. The uh, the whole close your eyes and flip through and point, I mean, that might get you somewhere once or twice, so that's not a long-term plan. Um, let's see. Yeah. I don't know. I have a couple of stories along those lines that are none of them lead very very well. We need to have a plan. We, we need to... We need to, 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 to maybe it's a... a, a part of the you version app on your phone or, or you're in your in, on your your computer where where you've got a plan and it's leading you through and you need to read this and read this maybe it has some devotional maybe you've got a devotional book and and we have some of those i believe out on the table uh, uh for for you that that gives you a, a little devotional thought and some scripture to read and that's a great thing to do as well maybe you just want to start with a a book of the bible maybe you read a chapter a day or just a few verses a day but 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 we need to have a plan uh and and uh, i know that not everybody's as uh List-oriented, uh, left-brained, um, logical, sequential. Okay, I'll say it. Anal retentive as me, but um, but 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 so but that doesn't excuse us from having the uh, the the uh, a plan. We, we use who you are and allow, but develop the habit of spending time in God's word. If you wait until you have time or you wait until you feel like it, that's not a plan <laughs> uh, because you probably won't get to it. So as you're, you're reading the Bible and you're spending time every day in God's word and then, then, and you're reading through, then the next thing we need to do is we need to be listening for the quickening. Be listening for the, I've heard the phrase, read until you have cause to pause. That's another, uh, great way to, to, uh, Batterson talks about this, this idea of the quickening 
Uh, It's actually a word that's used in Scripture a lot of different times, that that God quickens his word. um, And and basically, it means that the the root of that means to bring something to life. So God is bringing his word to life as we're we're reading through it. I've already told you that that the Holy Spirit inspired those writers. Uh, He inspired the, the, the writers of Scripture. He's still inspiring as we read it today. Every time we open the Bible, the Holy Spirit is inspiring the reading. He's inspiring the study. He's inspiring the preaching. He's inspiring the hearing. He's he's bringing that truth to our lives. He's he's bringing it to life in us. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Bible is alive and active. Uh, Scripture is quickened in our hearts as we read it. The Holy Spirit brings it alive. It it inspires all of that. It, it, It gives, it not only is alive, but it gives us life. And so as we read it, we're listening for the quickening. We're, we're looking for, we're reading until we have cause to pause. I, I've heard it, maybe it was Batterson that, that said something along, or used the metaphor of, of eating and, and how we, when we read the Bible, it's kind of like taking a bite. But when we're eating, we don't just stop with taking the bite. Uh, we, we spend some time savoring that and tasting it and, and, and chewing it up and, and, and then, and, and then we swallow it and we, we digest it. And that's how we need to be with, with scripture. We're not only just reading it, but we're spending time meditating on it and thinking about it and enjoying that experience. But then also we're, we're, we're applying it to our lives. I, I guess in digesting, we're, we're using it as energy for our souls, right? Part of that digesting then is the next step, I think, and that is that we need to do what it says. It's not enough to just read it or even to think about it and say, oh, yeah, that's okay, but, and then to just go on and live like we've not read it or thought about it. We have to do what it says. Uh, James 1.21 says, Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I think sometimes we approach scripture, we approach God with the mindset of getting approval for what we want. I know some people who come to me and they ask for advice. But really, they don't want my advice. They want me to agree with what they're already planning. Ever had that in your life? I'm sure you've never done it, but it's all those other people that are, right? They, they, they just want, and when you give advice that doesn't go with what they had figured out, they try to talk you into what their plan is and, uh, and get your blessing for it, even if it's not something that you want to give your blessing to. Uh, Unfortunately, I've been known to approach God like that many times. God, I've got these great, awesome plans. Uh, do something with it because this is where I'm going. And I think we need to back up a few hundred steps and we need to say, God, what are you saying? I'm going to do it. If it's that, that's fine. If it's this, if it's that, if it's that, whatever, I'm going to do it. Second Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who say what their itching ears want to hear. And so scripture's already already, uh, prophesied what's happening even today, that we want to just do it the way we want to do it and uh, gather people around us who will give us the the, uh, thumbs up on whatever we want to do. 
Instead, we, we can't just make the word of God say what we want it to say. We come to God with open hands and say, what is it that you are saying? And I will, as, uh, as James says, I will humbly accept the word of God that is planted in me. I won't just listen to it. I will do what it says. It, it gives life, uh, it, but we have to accept it and we have to do what it says. Uh, maybe you've heard the the name Peter Marshall back in the late 1940s. Uh, Peter Marshall was um, chaplain of the U.S. Senate, and uh, there's a, a book and a movie and, and and some other stuff about his life. But uh, but he says this, and I I think it's it's pretty convicting. It says, "I, I wonder what would happen." if we all agreed to read one of the Gospels until we came to a place that told us to do something, then went out to do it, and only after we had done it began reading again. What, what, if, what if we did that? What if we were reading through Scripture? When it says to do something, we stopped reading, and we did what it told us to do, and only then do we keep on reading again. Uh, the Bible is the key of all keys. It contains the very words of God. It is a lamp for our feet. It is a light for our path. It is the primary way that God himself communicates with humanity. You will not hear his voice if you are not leaning in and listening. If you are not ready to obey, if you are not ready to pattern your life after what you hear and what you read on the pages of this book. The Bible has the power to change your life if you listen and do what it says. The first thing we need to do is we need to hear God's I love you across these pages through the person of Jesus. He has sent Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin to provide uh, a life eternal with him. If, if you're not in the habit, maybe what you need to hear from, from this today is that you need to start uh, a habit of spending time in God's word. Maybe it's just a couple of verses. Maybe it's a chapter a day. Maybe it's a, 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 a plan on, uh, on an app. Whatever it is, uh, spend time daily in God's word. And then listen for the quickening. Expect the Holy Spirit to bring the word of God to life. Read until you have cause to pause. And then do what it says. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the the, the life-changing message that it brings. Thank you for the way that you show your love to us. Lord, we confess to you that we don't always treat your word as the key of keys for our lives. There's so many other voices that, that, that we listen to And many times we listen to those before we listen to you. And so, Lord, I pray that that you would would indeed speak to us. Uh, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just expect that to be some lightning bolt from the sky, but that we would invest our lives in seeking you out, especially on the pages of Scripture. And Lord, I pray that as you speak to us and as you reveal your word to us, as you reveal uh, the, the ways that we should go and you reveal your love for us, Lord, I pray that, that you would enable us uh, to do what you say so that we can truly uh, live out the, the abundant life that you desire for us to live, that, that, that we can uh, truly know you more and that we can follow you with every step. 
Lord, I I thank you for the desire that you have to have a relationship with us. I thank you that that, that you don't just yell, but that usually you whisper and because you want us to lean in and to get quiet and to get close to you. So Lord, I pray that, that this wouldn't just be a message that stays and bounces off the walls of this room, but that we can truly take the steps that we need to take to have the habit of leaning into you as we spend time in your word. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen.